Greetings baseball fans and welcome to another edition of the British Baseball Podcast. I am your host Matthew and on today's show I'm delighted to be joined by Guildford Mavericks head coach and fellow podcaster Chris Ward and he treats us to a guide to the Mavericks and we also discuss in length youth coaching. I guarantee you will not want to miss this one. And just before we get into today's episode I'd like to thank Graham Busby of Beehive Design for my new logo. I've been in rebranding and this was my first step. I had a superb response for his work when I put it out there so if you want some work done for your team or for your own podcast his information will be in the show notes. Why not check out his portfolio and give him a nudge. And then when we're done in this episode why not subscribe, review and follow the podcast on the old social medias. You know where I am at Brit Baseball Pod. And then head over to the new British Baseball Podcast YouTube channel. Subscribe there so when I get my documentaries uploaded you won't miss out there either and without further delay let's get into it and joining me on today's show i am pleased to have alongside me the guildford baseball head coach chris ward uh, parental advisory he is a yankees fan but we won't be talking about that sort of thing on this show because it is a family rated podcast chris how are we doing i'm great mate well i was fine until that intro wow that's harsh <laughs> Just on the fly, gone a bit off script. I'll, I'll edit it out. Maybe I won't. We'll see. I've, I've invited you on today, Chris, to talk about the, your youth coaching. Uh, I've, I've found you on Twitter doing a lot of engaging stuff with the youth within the Guildford Baseball Club. And it really struck with me. It's quite an interesting piece, like giving the kids homework. But I think before we get into that, um, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? How did you get into baseball and, and how did you get involved with the uh, Guildford Mavs? Yeah, sure. So um, the I got into baseball originally probably in the late 90s when I first sort of saw it, but not really heavily. And then in 2006, I think I was over in the States with my dad. He lived in upstate New York and we were watching some games uh, in his basement, um, having a, having a whiskey and a chat and learning about the game. And I, I'd been playing cricket for a few years and it, I'd sort of slowly fallen out of love with that anyway but then all of a sudden um, I, I'd watched watch some Yankees games and um, got absolutely hooked on it and the same my dad taught me the rules over the course of a couple of nights um, came home found a baseball team to play with and the rest is history pretty much great stuff and the Guildford Mavericks can you tell us a little bit of the history of the club yeah, sure. So um, the club originally was not actually in Guildford. So it was originally based in, in a place uh, down actually around the corner from me now, Wokingham. Um, and they were called the Wokingham Millers. And that was the sort of very first time that the club sort of existed. That was back in 1989. Um, and then from there, they sort of lasted a couple of years and um, joined with a group of um, uh, of people from from Guildford. Um, and then the real the club as it is now, the sort of Guildford Mavericks, the, the sort of main team, um, started in in the British Baseball Federation leagues in 1992. Um, so that's that's the sort of uh, the start of it. And actually, a couple of the guys who uh, were involved in the early days of that are still around, uh, still coaching, not only um you know well suppose still playing actually so one of our coaches uh brian kendall uh has been around since the, since the very the very early days um and uh, he coaches a lot of the kids as well um one of the most well-liked um people i think in baseball generally and also um he was nominated for one of the bsuk awards uh, for youth awards last year which is awesome and then um michael Burdett is uh, another um person who was around from the, from the early 90s and then he's the um the general manager of the club 
um, and he, he's um, he's played on a number of our better teams and uh, continues to coach with us as well. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's a pretty awesome club to be part of. Uh, we're really we embrace a lot of fun um, and um, the social side of things and you'll see that with our you know you, you, you'll find us on Twitter and Instagram and uh, and Facebook um, posting some fun stuff uh, as well as just our, our baseball stuff excellent and do you still play for them or are you just in a coaching role yeah yeah I still play as I get older I'm, I'm sort of slotting into a more of a coaching role um, but I still love to play and I don't think I'll ever ever stop really um I just like helping people and I like coaching people and it's what it's what I've done in my sort of professional life for a long time and um, it, it bleeds over really nicely to my personal life. Lovely. So what can you tell me about coaching the youths at Guildford? So at Guildford we have a, a, a various different levels so we have our under under uh, 17s under 15s under 13s um, and under 10s so we have a, a fair few um, different age groups uh, so it's, it's a bit challenging sometimes to get as many of them um, playing all at one time as, as possible but we usually have uh, in any one season from sort of uh, 60 to 90 players and uh, they keep us busy across those age groups and I think one of the things that we we're really thankful for is the number of people that get involved and, and help um, so one of the things that we we have is uh, you know similar to football uh, you, if you're a dad who's involved in football or a mum who's involved in football uh, you go along and you're you're asked to run the line or you're asked to um, to help out with the coaching or whatever um, and it's it's people like that that we really so we have a great group of uh, of mums and dads who help out um, on uh, game days and um, and at training for that matter, and and they help us not just with um, the the training, the the coaching, the organisation, um, but they they the, there's some wonderful people who run uh, like shops for us on the day, little tuck shops or um, a barbecue or something like that, and those kind of things do a wonderful thing for. Um, for the for the days the enjoyment of the day um so and, and then in terms of um coaching them um coaching kids is is fantastic because they're so a lot of the ones that are there are really eager to learn and with people that are eager to learn and particularly um younger athletes you find that actually they they take on information in a much quicker way so you can make smaller tweaks quicker uh, and you can make them better very quick um, which just results in in them loving the game even more so it, it, it's it's a lot of fun so is it sort of like a, a mighty ducks version like baseball version of mighty ducks that you've got going <laughs> is it like loads of little kids from all over the place just like picking up bats and be like oh this is awesome and taking off to it or is it like you think it's more like a parental influence that's got them involved I think it's, it's more parental influence, and actually that sort of helps because we have a few of the a few of the sort of the mums and dads who come along. Some of them play on the adult teams as well, but generally they're there to to have fun with their kids. And you know, it's because one of the parents has um, got a history in America, or they've been over in America for a couple of years and enjoyed baseball generally, or they've been to another country and and and, and seen it there and that they get involved in it and, and want their kids to, to be involved in it. And the, the thing about um, baseball is it, it teaches you some incredible life lessons that are 
so awesome for, for children to be learning uh, at that early age. And yeah, I mean, it, if and I think a few parents recognise that they recognise how wonderful the game is. Um, so yeah, it's it's just great to, great to coach kids generally. In fact, in fact, what would you say is the most rewarding part of coaching the kids? Oh, the energy, the enthusiasm. Um, so, I mean, the energy and enthusiasm the kids bring is is uh, is wonderful. They aspire to different things than the adults do, so that that's a slight difference. Uh, and I said that those changes that they can make and, and take on. Um, but I, I guess the the key thing for me is is seeing them go from you know it's it's a really tough game. You know, hitting a ball with a bat doesn't sound that difficult, but actually in baseball it is very very difficult, and and you're failing seven times out of every ten as uh, if you're a good player so seeing kids go from being miserable because they're struggling to hit to they've taken on some advice and they've made a little change and then all of a sudden they're hitting home runs there's nothing better than that absolutely nothing better um and and the other thing for me is i can be a kid again so you you need to to be able to coach juniors particularly under 10s under 13s you need to you can't just go in with a with a coaching mentality of i'm going to give you the the ins and outs and break down your you know you, you talked in, in previous episodes matt about breaking down your your throwing uh, technique and all that sort of stuff it doesn't really work for kids so giving them an outcome to achieve and then seeing them achieve that outcome is where they thrive and yeah again seeing their smiling when they're doing it it's, it's absolutely awesome and if we asked any of the players to describe you and like what your qualities are as a coach, what do you think they'd say about you? <laughs> they, I, I, what I'd like to think that they would say is that he lets me play. So I, I don't talk a lot. I, I just, I, I'll, I'll tend to give any of my athletes, I will give them one thing in every um, session that I'm working on with them to work on. And I won't give them too much because actually you give an athlete 20 different things to think about. They're only going to be able to focus on one or two and they're going to get the other 20 things mixed up in their head and it's not going to work for them. So I'll give them something small um, and ideally something um, that they can digest and I'll get them to work on that. And again, I, I just let them play. Uh, give them an outcome. Let them achieve the outcome. Give them some uh, hints and tips about how to achieve it. But uh, just just let them play, particularly kids, because that's all they want to do. Kids want to play, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's like we were saying before about football. Do I lose just run around and kick a ball? We can't see it being much different with baseball. It's just nice to see that they're picking up a bat and being enthusiastic yeah. for all the right reasons. How would you say the junior game then is different to the adult game that that we know and play? So it's it's not much different in terms of I mean the, the rules are very similar um, the diamond sizes for uh, junior baseball are a little bit smaller depending on the age group um, but it, it's very similar except for the again the way that you coach them and the way that you want to, to achieve those outcomes and as you go through the age ranges you need to adjust to those age ranges so again you know you you coaching um, some under 10s is going to be very very different to how you coach a group of under 18s um, so you need to be adaptable to how they they're going to deliver 
what you what you need and then you're you're going to have to work out the best way of of communicating with them and i i guess the, one of the big differences for, as a coach is that i can tell a kid maybe in three or four different ways to do some do something or tweak something and they will find a way with that with adults it's a little bit little bit different you may have to run through 15 or 20 different ways of saying the same thing for them to grasp the change because actually their bodies are used more used to doing um the things that they've been doing their whole life so uh, you know if if you start playing in your mid-30s your body is not used to to a baseball throw your body is not used to swinging a a baseball bat so you need to help them help adults get used to to that that approach and then with adults that have played throughout being a kid and and uh, and get to to an older age again the the coaching side of things there is, is is largely mental um one of the things I, I, we, we taught uh, in the sessions earlier this year with both the adults and the juniors was that actually our game is, it, some people say it's 80% mental and 20% physical. Um, and I asked one of our coaches in the room uh, when we were coaching a group of 40 adults in, in the um, preseason this year. So probably what February time, he didn't know the question was coming. I said to him, what, uh, what, what percentage of this game do you think is mental as, as opposed to physical? And he said, it's at least 50, 50. And I said, so do you spend 50% of your time working on the mental game? Do we spend 50% of our time working on the mental game? And the answer to that question was no. So we spent a little bit of time in that session, at least focusing on getting our minds in a situation in, into a better place to be able to deliver. Cause actually if your mind is right, in the best place for you to uh, to do something in the present moment you can absolutely go and do that and and i've i've coached people where that's genuinely happened in championship games and things like that so it's yeah it's, it's really uh really wonderful to see yeah and will instant does a lot on the on the mental side stuff as well he, he introduced like meditation and mindfulness into some of his stuff when we were talking about that and it was fascinating to hear the the, the more mental side of the game absolutely and and it, when you you read about it and understand about it and see um you know some of the coaching um uh, details about how you can do this stuff and and dig into some of the um the resources that are there you can see it's a really popular and really important thing and and to me will linton is a is a, a mentor to me um so that's probably where that comes from i think personally um my my father's very into uh, to the mental game if you're calling it that as well so it's ingrained in me um in a way and actually some of the some of the things that i teach in baseball i teach at work and vice versa great stuff so how are the um the sort of rules different to the kids game compared to adults game is is the same number of innings or is it we we, we know that the, the the dimensions of the the, the fields are, are short and the, the diamonds are a bit small, but what what other differences are there? You tend to find that the, the the most things that we do in this country are sort of tournament play. So the tournaments have their own sort of specific rules around um, the diamond sizes, number of innings. Um, so it, it depends on the type of tournament you're playing. Um, but generally at the youth age, it, it's, it's more about time limits. So you, you're not necessarily playing nine, nine innings. You're playing as many innings as you can get in a, an hour, as an example. Okay. 
Um, so it's more a time limited game. And actually, I think that's a really good way of, of getting more people into baseball generally, because, you know, um, making making sports accessible is really important and and baseball is one of those sports that's actually not as accessible as it could be um so making games you know football works in this country and generally because you can go out to a park uh, of an evening and play uh, for an hour and a half and that's it job done game's over but with baseball if you're going to play a full nine inning game in british baseball you're talking three hours so that's that's a really really tough um, ask, particularly in a lot of situations where we're playing two games in a day. We're warming up, we're putting the field up, putting it down. Um, it's a whole day, um, and actually one of the things that we need to do as a sport is make sure that that um, the game is accessible. And I think uh, making you know having shorter games or having more accessible, quicker versions of the game um, will make a really big difference to the number of participants in the sport. To be honest. Yeah, I agree. Um, are you still in touch with like the kids throughout the, the lockdown? Or if you are, how are you sort of keeping their morale and uh, spirits up? And what sort of things are you, are you asking them to do while it's in isolation to to stay active and prepared? That's a great question. Um, we we do quite a lot. As I said we're we're quite a social club anyway, so we do a fair amount as it is. Um, we have a few WhatsApp groups for the adult teams and we have WhatsApp groups for the um, for the junior teams as well. So they're always uh, chatting on there and sharing what they're doing. But at the moment, we've got a um, like a club wide forum on Facebook where we have um, all of the uh, the parents on board or as many as the parents as we can on board, uh, all the adult players on board. And what we're doing is I'm personally sharing something every single day. Um, on that whether it's a video or something like that it's, it's mainly been videos so far of me doing little bits and pieces at home so that I can show them what I'm doing so that they can then copy it or it's other players showing me what they're doing um, so some of them come to me on on whatsapp or facebook or, or whatever and they'll send me a video and um, I'll then help them out so today I had a, a video chat with, with one of the players about um, half past two this afternoon he wanted to know a little bit more about pitching took him through that and he's going to send me some more videos later on. So uh, I'm able to do a lot of that um, coaching over the internet now, which is awesome. The the stuff I'm sharing on Facebook is just little snippets every day, the things you can do at home. So things that I've been, been doing, you know, a lot of our players do have screens and nets to throw into because we share out some of the equipment. So that helps. Um, so I'm t- throwing some stuff out there, some different things than, that we would normally do, playing some games. Um, and then, you know, what can you do around the house? Um, so one of the things that I'll put out is, is about socks. You can, you can roll up, uh, a pair of socks into a ball. You can use that as if you're a catcher, it's perfect for, for, for a catcher set up in your stance, get your brother or your sister or your mum to throw a pair of socks at you really hard and you block it or you catch it or whatever. Uh, it, it's fun things you can do at home. And then the other, other things is, is other, other sort of fun activities that aren't necessarily baseball related, but actually help with baseball. So one of the ones that I'm going to put up, but I haven't yet will be a video of me juggling really badly because I suck at juggling, but what better way to, um, to grow your hand eye coordination than juggling. So I'm just going to challenge them. And actually the part of the reason for me saying that to you now is to make sure that I actually go ahead and do that over the next couple of days. Cause I'm right. putting it off. Putting it off. It's committed to audio now, and I'm not going to edit it out, so you're going to have to, have to show me. <laughs> uh, so that, that's what we're doing, and it, it's um, 
yeah, I, I'm hoping it's 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 working, um, and and a few people are getting involved. It certainly does. Certainly does look like it is. It's certainly got a few few people sending me messages, sending me videos, and helping me. And actually, that's that's how partly how I got to play for the Mavericks in the first place. So back in 2010, I think I I had I was with Bracknell uh, Baseball Club and. I was struggling to to love the game with them and and I sort of got to a place where I wasn't really I didn't think I was going to carry on I'd only been playing for two or three years and um, I got in touch with a coach who I knew um, from Canada who'd come over with his he had a, a, a kids team that came over and played in Bracknell and and his name was uh, Wayne Dale Johnson and um, he was just the most enthusiastic baseball fan generally but also a main mainly a Dodgers fan um and he was he was hardcore into his Dodgers um and in even in 2010 I was sending him videos of me throwing and hitting because he said you need you need to keep on playing Chris um you're one of the people that's going to be going to be really good for the game you need to keep playing and I, I didn't really believe him, to be honest, but I sent him the videos and uh, he helped me get better and and um, eventually um, pushed me into going and talking to Guildford and, and going and playing for them. Do you prefer coaching the kids over the adults or is it a bit of a 50-50 split? And this isn't designed to stitch you up for any of your adults that are listening or any of the kids that are listening. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but you think there's something that the kids could learn from, well, the adults could learn from the kids' sessions? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, some of the plans I had around this year was was a bit of crossover, a bit of competition, actually, between some of the juniors and, and some of the, the adults. Not sure how that will come to fruition yet, but um, but I'm hoping it will. Um, but yeah, absolutely. So the, coaching adults, as I said, is, is very, very different um, to how you coach a, a, a nine or 10 year old. So you have to go on this sort of journey with them, depending on how old they are, and, and you have to to relate to them and understand how they are going to take on information. And and you know it, it it's it is a real challenge either way. Do do I prefer one or the other? I mean, um, when kids uh, get that result that they they really want, um, they get that that home run that they were hit they hit, or they strike that batter out they tend to be so much more enthusiastic about it. They will jump up and scream and smile and you, you will really be able to see it. Whereas, whereas with adults, that's not as, as obvious sometimes. Um, so from that point of view, um, that I, I guess I enjoy the, the, the being a kid and being around the kids. Uh, but equally, you know, I, I still love playing. I still love winning and I still love the feeling of it. So so being around adults uh, who, who are going to who are interested in playing, interested in uh, in getting better every day um, and uh, and being part of a winning team is is also fantastic. So, yes, there is definitely differences between the two. Um, do I prefer one or other? Not really. Um, I, I, I love coaching. I love helping get people get better no matter who they are. Lovely. Great stuff. So is there any sort do you see much conflict or any sort of issues at junior level? Not necessarily between the kids themselves, but is it like a parental thing that maybe somebody I mean you see it with like Sunday league football, you see parents shouting on the sideline. It's very rare to be honest. Um 
I, I think um, there is an ugly side to it, yes. Uh, and that is sometimes when parents or coaches expect and um, push uh, juniors too hard and too far uh, and expect the outcomes, you know, the, the outcome for them should be something that they, A, that they enjoy doing and B, that they constantly get better at. Um, but actually, sometimes for adults, the, the big W at the end of a game is is the big all important thing um and and that's whilst it is massively important it's not something that i would i'm massively wedded to i I much prefer athletes and and adults as well i much prefer people to have fun because if you have fun you're more likely to learn you're more likely to come back you're more likely to get better um so there is definitely that side to it but i don't see it all that often um, I, I can tell you a story from when I so I, I also umpire. Um, I've umpired for the last sort of six or seven years, and, and I don't mind doing that occasionally. And again, umpiring for kids is is more uh, for me is is a little bit more gratifying than with adults because they they're a little bit more respectful generally. But I do remember a game where I was umpiring. I think they were under 13s, and there was a young kid who was a catcher, and he 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 was tiny very very small guy um and his mum was right behind me and right behind him and every pitch he caught or every bat he swung she was shouting and screaming at him and and he was to like he, in the middle of the game turning around like through me and shouting at her and for me that that, that stuck with me as probably one of the worst memories i have of of, of junior baseball was this kid uh was so um, was being forced almost against his will to 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 be good as a catcher, to, to make every single play the most important thing ever. That in that game he was on base and he came round, he came running home from third base um, and got tagged out at home. He was out by a country mile, but because his mum was right there and screaming at him and and uh, and whatnot. He he got up and started shouting and screaming at me and then at his mum and broke into tears and I, I mean that's just horrible that's just horrible so I guess if I'm if I'm going to say anything about the the nasty side of that is is it that kind of thing will push people away from the game it won't it won't drive people to be better it will drive people to be bitter um, so I guess my my message from that would be just let them have fun particularly at that age. Is how you sort of measure your success in it at junior level? So there, there is a number of ways that I, that I measure that. I, I, and the first thing is in smiles. Absolutely. 100%. Particularly at the lower ages. Particularly they keep coming back. Um, you know, you, you talked about homework earlier. You know, I, I set a bunch of kids homework. And, and the big, you know, I, I, I tweeted about some of it. I put some of it up on, on Twitter. And the, the, the thing that shocked me was that loads of the kids did it loads of the kids loved doing it and they they really really thought about it and that was that for me was was a measure of success that these kids have genuinely gone away and thought about it and they've learned something new about the game by doing it they enjoyed doing it and i absolutely loved seeing that um so yeah i i measure success generally for 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 the juniors in smiles the way that they develop but that said 
you know, there you do go into things like the mechanics of pitching, the mechanics of hitting and defense. Um, so what a, what I look for um, from the juniors is for them to progress with the quality that they're producing at bats. So they get, they're getting better every time that they're seeing as many pitches as they can, that sort of stuff. So that, that's kind of really, really important. And again, as you go through the age groups, you can, you can give them plans to execute throughout the games. Um, and uh, what, just it, it's them executing the plan. And as much as I said about driving for an outcome, you do want to be driving for an outcome, but actually teaching them a process that allows them to get to that outcome and recognizing the fact that you might teach that process. But as I said before, you might only achieve success in that process three times out of every 10. And that's something that baseball said. Baseball is incredible for teaching life lessons. You are going to fail 70 percent of the time and you are still going to be one of the best players in the game. And you need to be able to cope with failure. So it teaches kids at an early age to be able to cope with failure. And that's another measure of success is how well people respond to uh, if I'm pitching. I've just I've just pitched the ball. It's gone wide. It's not where I wanted it to go. How do they react on the mound if they do that? Um, How do they react if they swing a bat at a ball that's um, miles high in the air and the catcher has to jump for it? You know, how do they, they react to that? And again, that comes back to the mental game. So just really important things that you can plan for, review regularly without actually even talking to the kids about it. But you can measure it. Do you think burnout's a risk at, at youth level? No. Lovely. Next. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a really good reason behind that, Matt. And, and the reason is we don't play enough. So when we go to practice, we go to practice for two hours, maybe on a on a uh, Saturday afternoon or, or whatever, and then we'll play a game on uh, on a Sunday. As an example, we will luck- likely get um, I don't know four to five hours with kids in every week. Whereas in baseball in the US, they're playing three, four, five times a week. So burnout's absolutely not a problem. Um, and one of the important things that that Will will teach. That, that I I totally agree with is throwing and throwing often is absolutely the most important thing that you can do and and getting practice in and getting reps in as much as you can because baseball is a lot about repetition so the more repetition you can get the better you're going to get the quicker you're going to get it and that's why uh, we in the, in the UK aren't um, able to produce as many baseball players on the on, on the international level as we'd like because we're only playing a couple of times a week and uh, and some of the stuff that Will and Liam do with their academy work is incredible and that, that bridges a gap and makes these players into people who can go to go to college in the states and be really successful and and possibly have have a really good shot at getting into the into the into the show do any of the kids sort of have any aspirations to play at the highest level i mean i'm, I'm guessing they've all seen the the heroes on on tv and want to do it you know they have their heroes so bits of the homework that i set them was tell me about your three favorite players who's your favorite pitcher who's your favorite hitter and who's your favorite position player tell me all about them i want to know why do you like them and and you know i got a few responses that were from the the more senior members of the team that broke it down into i like this guy because uh he pitches incredible he uh, he strikes out everybody and these are his numbers. And I got I got stats from these kids. It was incredible. Um, and then others were I like this guy because he plays on the New York Yankees. 
I like this guy because he plays on the Red Sox. And and that's just equally as good because they're just getting into it. Um, do I think that I think the younger kids probably under sort of 14, um, maybe under 13, something like that, probably don't have those aspirations quite yet. Depends on how they've been brought up and how much uh, baseball they've watched. But certainly as you get into teenage years, uh, you start to see the kids um, understanding the players more and affiliating themselves with those players. Uh, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Those I think those dreams are born around about that time. That said, um, I, I can't imagine a single adult baseball player in this country who doesn't have a player that they want to emulate. So they, they want to look like uh, some of their favorite players. And, and why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? So uh, you, you might still um, have, I mean, th- those kids might have aspirations to, to go go and play in, in, in the majors. Um, they might just have, well, their parents might have aspirations for them to go and play college in the States and get some experience from it. Because again, you, you open that up. I mean, that's incredible. You, you play baseball from an early age in this country and you open up the opportunity to go to America and go to school over there and go to college over there and get it funded for you because you're because you're uh, you're good at what you do. I mean, what what great opportunities there are. And so and some of some of the the English uh, kids are absolutely taking taking those opportunities on. And there's certainly a few of them in the in the college and, and junior high um uh, systems at the moment and it's great to see. So I, I just hope that um with the development in coaching that's going on over the last sort of certainly five to ten years that will get more coaches in the UK that will enable that um, sort of way of working that development of players and, um, and and we'll get to a point where you do have these kids at you know seven eight years old saying right I want to be in the show I want to work every day I want to take ground balls every day I want to be throwing every day and that's a really good way of um, of getting um, people into the game and, and being really successful. But as I said, adult wise, I, I would expect you have got a favourite player who you want to be like. Who, who's your who's your man, Matt? At the moment, well, it's weird because when I first started watching baseball, the first guy that sort of going to is Alex Rodriguez, and uh, you'll know him. But I, I'm talking about Seattle A Rod and <laughs> Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, um, be, be, before he sold his soul. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that, 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 those are the players that I started watching when I first got into like properly being able to see baseball. Because yeah. it was the five uh, viewing. But then as I sort of came back into it, I'm looking at players like Fernando Tatis Jr., Nolan, Arenado. I keep calling him Arena Do because I'm from Bolton. <laughs> Just read <laughs> it as I see it. <laughs> Arena Do. I like Arena Do. Um, that, that, that sounds like he should he should have a nice 80s style on his head yes um, <laughs> but there's there's loads of like i think i've just got like favorite plays in different positions that but because i don't really have a position i'm not even on the team yet uh, i say yeah i might even make the team i'm just really enjoying training before it got cut short i just want to just I, play. yeah you will but the, but then like i said you there's the ken griffies there's the a rods and like don't tell me that when you have been taking uh, batting practice, there hasn't been a moment when you've thought, 
I, I, I'm in I'm in Safeco Field. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm Ken Griffey. I can do this, and and everyone does it. Absolutely, everyone does it, and um, it, it, it's fantastic. And why not? Why not have dreams? Absolutely, and that's what what, what keeps us doing this and keeps us playing. Exactly, and I found that from watching these players as well, from having no real playing experience before. I've been able to pick up some really interesting tips on how they sort of position themselves. I did the same when I was playing ice hockey. One of the coaches, when I started playing ice hockey, asked me how I learned to sort of skate backwards and position myself, and it's from a video game. Whereas <laughs> I've taken that now, and I just sort of studying like tape on YouTube, watching players, just how how the how the like Nolan stood off his third base, positioning for different things taking that into practices with me if I'm asked to play on third if I'm asked to play at second if I'm asked to play shots or if I'm asked to play centre field just taking what the coaches are teaching me and then watching what they do at the same time to try and make my own mind up and see how I can make my own decisions if that kind of makes sense yeah totally totally it yeah. does I mean and, and that's another great thing that people can be doing right now uh when when we're, we're we're all locked in and we're all starved of baseball I mean MLB TV are showing pretty much i think if you if you've got a subscription or can get a subscription to mlb tv they're showing or leaving open the last two seasons games if you type um a specific game and a date into uh, youtube you'll be able to find the games and watch them and generally i find that your uh, the position of the camera tends to be slightly left of shortstop and you'll you, you can see the picture from the shortstop position and and you can be watching the game, and I've seen people doing this, watching the game in in their front room, getting ready as if they're in the infield with just watching the game, and and that's a great bit of repetition to have to get ready for a pitch, to to jump when there is a, you know, yeah. when when something's happening and move to the right direction when the balls hit that sort of stuff, um, and you can absolutely do that still indoors, and and I would advocate that as well. Cracking. So which players did you aspire to? Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, number two, Derek Jeter. Uh, he was, so my when I got into it in the first place, uh, he, he just started playing, and then when I got really heavily into it um, in sort of mid to late 2000s, uh, obviously they were they had been without a championship for a while, um, had you know, got A Rod had come along and stuff like that, and, and Jeter was was the captain, um, and he was the first. Uh, baseball jersey that, that i ever got and um yeah if i'm emulating anyone it, it's going to be him and, and absolutely you know, it, you know i'm telling telling you that you're definitely emulating ken griffey or a rod i'm absolutely trying to emulate uh to derek jeter nice one so let's move on to some listener questions uh we've had a couple that have been submitted two two of these uh, i believe you know quite well uh, your fellow podcast host we've got Rooney would like to know what is your most embarrassing plate appearance well, I, I, I can't th- I genuinely can't think of one that I've, I've had that's embarrassing just purely because of the thing that I talked about about uh, the mental game and I've always been pretty hot on it so first of all there aren't any embarrassing um, at bats they're all all amazing <laughs> <laughs> and as, as Kev quite rightly says, that's a lie. I've definitely had some bad ones. But what you do when that happens is you wipe it off. You forget about it and you move on to the next thing. Because if you don't, it eats you up. And then you can't make the play in the infield that you need to make. And you can't um, focus on your next at-bat. So, And that's one thing that, that 
I loved about baseball as opposed to cricket. In cricket, you can wait half a day uh, in a field, go back and have some tea and then go out to bat and be back in the pavilion, sitting with your feet up straight away. And that's it. That's your day done. But whereas with baseball, you can you can get up to the plate. You can fail and you can go and sit back down and then you can make an amazing play in the field and then you can hit a home run and then you can go the rest of the day and suck. But you, it, it doesn't matter because you know that there's another opportunity coming next inning. The next inning, you've got another opportunity. So for me, don't remember any, Kev, is the answer. And uh, you're the podcast host, Rob. Is there any money in the Mike Fires tribute scene? Do you like to tell us a little bit what that, that could possibly be? Because <laughs> uh, to me and I bet everyone listening, that's a bit cryptic. It is a bit. So... Um, <sighs> On the podcast, so I, I do a podcast with those two guys and a couple of others. We have a pool of us. We're all Yankees fans. It's called The Empire Strikes Back, and it's about just Yankee stuff generally, although that's changed quite recently. Um, and I, I don't know why Mike Fires came up, but he came up in one of the episodes, and and I had mentioned the fact that I have just an irrational hatred for the guy. I didn't like him. I, I just genuinely didn't like him from the interviews that he'd done, from the way that he acted, that sort of stuff. Um, and, and there's a few players in, in baseball that I feel like that. And, and everyone's got their, you know, we talked about it earlier. You've got your heroes, but you've also got your villains. And for me, he was one of those. And um, there was one day that uh, that he did, had his beard shaved to look like he had a monkey's tail. And if you haven't seen it, you need to see the picture. It is the most ridiculous thing ever. And we were having a bit of a laugh about it. And, um, they were comparing me the way I look to him, um, which greatly upset me, Rob, if I'm honest. And uh, it's ruined my um, my self-esteem ever <laughs> since. <laughs> I, I'm actually quite envious of your beard because, one, I don't like it's got any ginger bits in it. I'm not gingerist. I'm just saying I do have some copy in mine and I'm very proud of it. But it like it fills in everywhere. If you can't see it, I'm, I'm actually looking at Chris on Skype. It There's no gaps. There's no patches. It looks like he could do something really artistic with his with his facial hair. And anyone it's, that can do that, I, I'm extremely envious of. It's entirely possible, mate, but there is patches in it, and, and the patches are white, unfortunately. That's, that's just... <laughs> <laughs> I lost my hair a long time ago, and now my beard's growing white. It's not a good look. And I, and I don't want to be without a beard. I've got no chin. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Friends of the show, Stephen and his son, Kimmy. I believe Kimmy plays for the Guildford team. Can you ask yep. Chris, now that the start of the season has been delayed and possibly won't happen, how badly would it impact on June's development with not having game time? Many thanks, Stephen. Yeah, it's tough. Um, not having game time is a pain, but it's a massive opportunity. <laughs> and it links back to what we were talking about earlier, Matt. Um, we don't play enough. We don't play enough games. And if we're lucky, we get one or two games in a week or we have one game day a week. It's not enough. We are currently in a situation where we're locked at home or we get an hour to go out of our house every day and get some exercise. Now, we're very fortunate. I think that most of us um, have a garden to throw in or whatever. Some of us don't. And again, I would encourage those that don't uh, have a garden to use that hour a day, go and seek out your local cricket club, because actually I've got two really close to me. And that's one of the other things I'll do on our, our, our Facebook group, actually, is, is show me throwing in there. Uh, it, there's a local you, you will have a local cricket club that has nets. 
go and use them because nobody else is right now. Uh, you can go and use them. Go and hit into them if you've got a bat and a ball. Go and throw into them if, you, if you've got a ball and a glove or even just a ball. So the opportunities to get out and throw and hit right now are incredible. So uh, in answer to the question, I think if we treat it as an opportunity to have our, our young players playing every day, throwing every day, hitting every day, there's absolutely no loss whatsoever. And emulate it. Go out on a Saturday if it's a normal game day. Emulate a game. Go out with your son and, and get him to have four at bats. Go out with your son, get him to pitch seven innings, however it's however many it's going to be. Go out with your your catcher and and uh, and get him to to go through a load of drills and then you throw balls at him. You get him to to catch a seven inning game as an example. So you can do that every day right now because most people are stuck inside not doing a great deal i mean i'm in the situation where i'm a key worker and actually most of my day is is spent working uh unfortunately so there's very little i can do from that point of view but over the next few days where we've got a few days off um i'm going to be doing it you know i had holidays this year planned my my holidays were uh, the London series for a start. I was going to take a week off around the London series to do some coaching uh, and to go to the games and probably um, just have some fun afterwards as well. I am uh, in May. I was due to do some training. One of the things I'm doing is uh, I'm supposed to be doing in October is climbing Mount Kilimanjaro for um, the mental health foundation. Um, that's still supposedly going ahead, but I, I, I sincerely doubt that we'll get there uh, this year. And um so that was two weeks out. There's a, there's another holiday uh, due. I was hoping to go to the uh, Edinburgh Festival this year. Um, you know, so that's four weeks of holiday that I've just got back. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to take a few days off, and I'm going to just go and do what I've just said. Go and throw some pitches in a in a cricket net somewhere. Go and hit some uh, hit some balls in a cricket net. I'm going to take my son and my daughter and get them doing it. They've both been doing it out in the garden with me in the last couple of days because I've been doing it. Um, so yeah, uh, the opportunity right now to uh, learn some new drills and get better and get ready for the season when it does happen is fantastic. So I don't think it has to be a drawback at all, Matt. I think if we use the time wisely, it can be a really great benefit to uh, everyone if if they're getting out there and, and working on it. Cracking. Well, great answer. Steve, I hope that helps. So, Chris, before I let you go, it's something you mentioned before about the homework. I, I remember when I was at school, I hated homework and sport was my release and, and what I really look forward to because there's like no homework. But you've introduced homework into sport that they love. Is that of years of watching horror movies or where, where did the idea come up for, for giving kids homework in baseball? Yeah, do you know what? Um... The idea came up with so I do some coaching with um, Matt Crawshaw at uh, Team UK, which is the coach pitch. So for under tens, uh, so my son goes and plays uh, plays in that academy, um, and I've done some coaching with them and stuff. And we were we were talking one day, probably back end of last year, I think, about the gaps. So there's a big gap between the times that these kids can get together because it's a UK wide thing, and um, so we get 
together once a month if we're lucky and obviously at the moment we don't um so it's really difficult to sort of understand what the kids are doing um you know they they're working with their clubs and whatnot but actually what else can um team uk be doing and and we were just throwing some ideas around as coaches um i said back end of last year and and i just finished writing a like a, a template for a book report for my son because he didn't like the book report that came home from school so I, I made him a more complicated one um and it it literally came from that i saw the template and went do you know what this this would work just to ask some really simple baseball questions so i changed the template and the template basically said well, you know who's your favorite character in the book but i changed it to who's your favorite pitcher who's your favorite catcher that sort of stuff um and some of the and the questions were about um you know for the younger kids for us to help to help us as coaches get a bit of an understanding of what they knew about the game as well so can you draw a baseball diamond and draw the players where they should be that sort of stuff so whilst it was homework um it wasn't necessarily uh, really really homework it was more interesting stuff uh, for them to 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 really look at and and try and really understand so we did that with team uk and then we set up this year with um, Guildford Juniors. We'd set up the the process whereby the sort of first four weeks of the season were sort of well not the season but the pre-season was sort of early January, beginning of February, and then we had a two-week gap where we had um, uh, half terms. So we didn't have any training either side of half term, which is great for the parents, uh, me being one of them. So that that helped me. Mm. Um, so there was a gap there of a couple of weeks and in that gap I decided actually I'm going to throw in um, some the same kind of homework for the for the um, for the Guildford guys and so for the, for the younger uh, younger group I did the same sort of stuff as we did with the with the under 10s and with the older group I asked them a little bit more of a, more challenging questions things like describing um, like describe their favorite play that they've seen on YouTube or MLB TV. Tell me what it is. Tell me all about it. That sort of stuff. Um, and then uh, when we actually got back into training with the with the juniors, one of the first things we did uh, was we played a game that week that we got the homework back. And I was I was absolutely gobsmacked. I didn't think I'd get anyone give me any response to this homework. And I got six or seven of, of the kids had given me this homework and. Uh, and it was all brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I've shared some of it on Twitter and I'll continue to do so because the answers they gave were fantastic. But one of the things we did was we played a game indoors and I like to change up the games indoors, particularly for the kids to make it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more challenging than baseball generally. And this particular time I said, right, the winner of this game will be the the, the, the team or the players that come up with the best most inventive fielding play it's not about scoring runs it's the, we set up the diamond the way we would normally in inside but i want to see cartwheels and throws throws behind the back all the exciting stuff uh, that you've seen in your videos that you've done for your homework and stuff like this and they did it and it was awesome it's great fun to watch it's great fun to be part of the kids really loved it um but yeah just going back to the homework um I had two sets of homework for the two uh, two sort of age groups, if you like, and was just massively impressed by the, the response that I got. Um, and it really wasn't homework. I badged it as homework, which may have actually been a bit of a detriment, actually. So there's some of the kids that I'm disappointed that they didn't respond, um, I think probably because I called it homework. And maybe I'd do it differently next time. But um, I, I absolutely love the response. The kids seem to love doing it. 
Um, and then because they did so well doing it, and, and I asked for their favorite players, um, I, I got it back. And the next week that I, I came back to, to training, I bought all the, the, the results back. And I said, you've all got A's. They were amazing homework. Um, and for everyone who did, and I called up each of the people who, who gave me the homework and I gave them baseball cards of the players that they said were their favorites. Brilliant. Mate, it was fantastic. And again, you go back to why we do this, the smiles on their faces when they win a game because they did a cartwheel and made an accurate throw <laughs> or um, because they get a baseball card of their favorite player because they did a, did five minutes of homework with their mum or their dad uh, to understand the game better. There's no better way, mate. I can't tell you how much fun that is. Ah, what a great way to engage with the kids. Brilliant. Well, that's, yeah, superb. I don't think I've heard of anything like that before. I mean, well, if I'd been given that as homework when I was a kid, I'd still be equally as mad at maths, but, you know, at least I'd be having fun. So one of the one of the kids was doing maths. Like, he, he, one of the kids, I think he's, I want to say, well, maybe a little bit older than that. But he gave me he gave me all the stats of his favorite players. I, I, I like Garrett Cole because th- this was his season last year. He gave me all of their stats and he knew all of what they meant. And, and that's incredible. And uh, that brings us to the end of the show. I always like to leave the uh, last word to the guests. So it's an open floor. Is anything you want to shout out or anything you want to any people no. you want to give mentions to? Uh, not much from from me, Matt. Really, I, I guess you you touched on um, Will Linton earlier, uh, and uh, we we talked a bit about the fact that he he's uh, been a mentor to me, as has Liam Carroll, over the the last few years. Um, and I don't get anywhere. And and a couple of the other sort of GB coaches as well, Drew um, Spencer, um, uh, J Rod, who's just been announced as the the under 18s um, coach. I'm learning from these guys all the time, and without their input. Uh, and without quite a few other coaches input actually um and and bouncing ideas off them um uh, rhino's another one uh george brager from bristol's another you know without those guys input i do not get um the the job of of being a head coach at guildford so i'm extremely thankful to those guys um other things to shout about are obviously the my you know find me on twitter free rain uk at free rain uk find Guildford Mavericks on Twitter at Guildford Mavs and uh, we're also on Instagram and Facebook and we we post a lot of fun stuff and just just as we started getting locked in in fact I don't know if you saw it Matt but we, we put out a video where we had loads of players from our club just throw into each other but we were all indoors um, so if you get if you get a chance to, to have a look at that that's worth a look yeah we will do um, and, and then, where uh, can we find your podcast as well yeah the podcast it's on it's on Spreaker, but you can find it on iTunes. It, it's it's called The Empire Strikes Back. You're better off finding us on Twitter, which is at T E S B U K. So The Empire Strikes Back UK, um, and that's um, our sort of the UK Yankees podcast. There's a, a group of us that do um, just just chat generally. But more recently, because we've been locked in, we've been doing some fantastic interviews with people. So uh, Tuesday night, I did an interview. It will go. Uh, out next um, next week on the 15th of um, of April, which is Jackie Robinson Day, we had uh, an interview with uh, Bob Kendrick, who is the um, the owner and creator or curator of um, the Negro League Museum in Kansas City, and that guy can tell a story. And uh, 
so we had him on. We've had some various minor league um, owners on, uh, and we've got a few more coming up. We've had um, some writers, so some baseball writers. So uh, Brian Hoke is the uh, the Yankees beat writer. Uh, we had the first part of our interview with him went out um, last uh, last week. The, the second part of that will go out tomorrow. Um, and we're just doing loads of interviews with people. We had Joey Mellows, the baseball Brit, on to talk about cups of tea and biscuits. Yeah, um, that was an Instagram just... episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not happy that the malted milk doesn't get enough love. It's uh, it's worrying. I'd, I'd be in to like you as well. And yeah, it's it's a garbage it's a garbage uh, uh, yeah, biscuit. And and um, and the um, one of the things we did was was try and link uh, biscuits to teams. And uh, and actually Helen, uh, one of the contributors to um, to the Empire Strikes Back, also writes for Batflips and Nerds, yeah. and she posted something today. Um, so that we were recording on the 9th of April, and and she posted something today about some of those some of those names that yeah, we get. Sorry. And I, I don't know if malted milk came up. Did it come up in there? Um, but if it did, if it didn't, um, it would be the the Tampa Bay Rays. I think massively disappointing when they could be awesome. Unbelievable! I can't believe what I'm hearing. I can see you weeping. I can see you weeping. <laughs> this interview is getting cut off 20 minutes short. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, that 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 podcast, I love doing that. It's just a group of us having fun, and we do have fun. And then we get to interview these incredible people. And I cannot tell you how much fun Bob Kendrick from the Negro League uh, Museum is. One, if you are into baseball generally and you haven't explored the Negro Leagues yet one for you matt maybe mm-hmm. check it out the stories are incredible the players have amazing names have amazing um sort of theater around them the magic of uh, of that time you cannot recreate and it's very it's very difficult to you know you can't find any videos so you have to imagine it um you know it's it's fantastic so there's some really good books out there um and like i say some of the, some of the things you hear about uh leroy satchel page one of the one of the greatest pitchers in the world uh that was ever seen um uh, elston howard was was the guy we talked about a lot because he was a he was a, a hall of fame yankee and then um yeah there's, there's loads of others as well that had just amazing uh baseball history and baseball acumen um and the stories that you that you get out of that is out of the um the negro league baseball history is just they're, they're just incredible so yeah if you haven't uh, explored that the uh, the interview we do with with bob kendrick that, that we launch i think it's let's say on jackie robinson day next week will be a, be a great start for you kirkin i'll try and get some links to that in the in the show notes as well so that people can find it because it sounds really interesting well and that's it that brings us to a close i'd like to thank chris again for your time today that's really insightful really enjoyed the interview today and uh, i wish you all the best of luck with uh, your with, with the youth training and also if the season no nope, when the season starts with the girlfriend when it Mavericks. starts mate. yeah when it starts and um hopefully we'll chat again soon thanks mate really appreciate you having me on take care talk lad Cheers. Ta-ra. and there you have it what a great insight into you coaching there from chris i'd like to thank him again for his time an absolute blast talking to him before, after, during the show, and even listening back to this when editing it was just brilliant. I enjoyed every minute of it. So, what's coaching like at your club? Do you do anything with your kids down there? Let us know. Drop us a tweet or send us a message on the Facebook page, and we'll have a discussion about them. But until next time, stay safe, stay distant. Ta-ra!